So uh, as Pastor James mentioned, my name is Dave, and I'm honored to be with you guys today. We're starting, uh, rather, we're in the second week of the series, Resolutions and Revolutions. Uh, and this is how every year starts off, right? Like every single year, the end of the previous year, the beginning of the year, everybody's talking about resolutions. What's your New Year's resolution? What's going to be new for you in this next year? Hey, what's your goal? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? Did you write it down in your dream diary? Like all this stuff comes up every single year. And this year was no different. I can remember it since I was in kindergarten. It's every year. What is your New Year's resolution? I got to tell you, as an adult, uh, I hate that. Um, I hate it so much. Like, let me, let me be clear. I'm not a naysayer. Like, it's cool. If you do that and, and whatever, that's great. We can still be friends. Uh, I, I just don't get the hype around New Year's. Like, it's, everybody gets so amped up, and they got to know what their resolution is, and you got to have a goal, and if you don't have a goal, then you're like the weird one, right? You don't have any resolutions? What do you mean you don't have any resolutions? You don't want to do anything different in this year? It, it's just another day. And the other thing, too, is a Happy New Year is reserved for, like, the last day in December and then January 1st, and then the second is not... Happy New Year anymore. Like you went to sleep and then you woke up and it was the same year as it was yesterday. So it's not new anymore, uh, especially today. Today's the 15th. So like I heard it a couple times in the lobby. And I'm not gonna punch you or anything if you say it, right? But Happy New Year, I heard it a couple times in the lobby and I was like, it's not, it's not new. But I just put a face on and a smile because it's what people do in January. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. So you can do that, that's fine. Uh, and I understand I'm probably in the minority on this and that's fine, you, can guys, uh, you guys can all be wrong. But uh, the New Year thing, it, it comes every year. What is your New Year's resolution? And as Pastor James mentioned today and also mentioned last week, uh, this idea of resolutions, we make a resolution because we want to see a revolution take place in our lives. We want to see something take place in our lives, and so we make these resolutions. And I think for us to really make that happen, we need to look at a couple of definitions of what those things are. What is a resolution? What is a revolution? And so we'll start off with the word resolution. A resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. So this is a good definition, right? Yeah, you would agree with that? I mean, I, I pulled it straight from Webster's, so it's probably the, the definition. But New Year's resolution, I'm deciding to do something different because I want to see something different in my life. And so many examples, some of the uh, most examples that you'll hear of is, I want to lose weight. My resolution is I'm going to lose weight. Or we make a resolution, I'm going to work out. I may not lose weight, but I'm going to at least go to the gym, I'm going to work out. Or I'm going to eat healthier. Or I'm going to save money. Save money like never before. Or what did it say? It said to not do something, right? So you could even reverse some of those things. I'm going to decide to not eat out. I'm going to decide to not binge watch every show on Netflix that comes out because I need to go to the gym. I'm going to decide to not spend money at Starbucks and instead spend it at somewhere great like Black Rifle Coffee and get really good coffee and also spend less than I was at Starbucks. I'm going to not spend money there. Or we might even say, I'm going to decide to not miss a single day of church as long as I'm healthy. If you have the vid, stay home. But I'm not going to miss a single day because I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. And by the way, we don't want you to miss out on that either. So we would love for you to make that resolution. That's a good resolution to make because we also want to benefit by what you can bring to this community. So you can make that resolution. That's good. So resolutions are decisions, decisions, resolutions. And these are typically good things, right? Nobody makes these resolutions to do something worse than they were doing the year before. Nobody says, well, I'm going to be lazier this year. This is my year. 
This is the year I'm not gonna do anything. You know what, I'm in a ton of debt, so this year I'm gonna get more debt and buy things I can't afford. Nobody's ever said that. If they have, I haven't met them and I would love to meet them because we need to talk. We need to have a serious chat. But regardless of what it is, if a resolution just stays there, if it's just this decision that you make, it's this cool thing that you post on Facebook for everybody to see and applaud for you. It's this cool thing that you write on your mirror, your affirmation journal, you put it on Instagram, you put it on Twitter, wherever it is, if you just put it on paper and it never moves from where you wrote it down, then it dies as soon as you wrote it down. It dies as a decision. It doesn't revolutionize anything. So revolution, what is that? Let's look at the definition for that. A dramatic and wide-reaching change in the way something works or is organized or in people's ideas about it. There's a couple of things that stand out about this definition to me. First, it's something dramatic. It's a dramatic change. It's intense. It's overwhelming. When we look at some of the resolutions that we mentioned earlier, right, if somebody has a resolution where they want to lose weight, let's say someone comes to you and says, this year, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. We would say, wow, that's incredible, as long as it's healthy, right? Like, if you don't need to lose 100 pounds, then don't do that. But we'd say, wow, that's amazing. And then at the end of the year, if we look at them and they say, hey, I've lost 100 pounds, we would say, holy cow, that's, that's amazing. That's a dramatic change, and I'm sure it's led to some changes in your life and just some of the, the things that you're able to do. Maybe you're able to do some things you weren't able to do before, but that's, that's a big, dramatic change. That would be revolutionary for that person. But the second thing is the wide-reaching part of the definition. See, so it said wide-reaching change in the way something works. Imagine you lose 100 pounds, or for you, whatever number that is. Matter of fact, don't imagine that. I'll just tell you my story. So a couple of summers ago, uh, a couple of years ago, I lost between 30 and 40 pounds. And this was a big deal for me. Uh, and I started to notice something, that the summers here, which are terrible, by the way, and super hot, give me fall always, except for Christmas, we need some snow, but it was super hot. But I noticed that that summer was a really, really great summer for me. I was able to go on walks that were a lot longer. I was able to go outside and, and actually enjoy being outside. I was able to, to go to the pool and feel comfortable. My bathing suit fit a lot better, so that was nice too. But the summer was one of the best summers I'd had in my life. But it didn't just change me. It changed how I interacted with the people that I was closest with, my family. Not only could I go outside and take a walk and enjoy it, I could go with my family and be a lot more comfortable and enjoy the time with them rather than be complaining, right? I could go to the pool with my family and we could have a good time and it was comfortable. I didn't have to worry about the stuff I usually worried about, which is just being blood boiling hot, right? It changed my life, but it also had an impact on the people around me. So why is this important? Why is it crucial to look at the two words and the different definitions and the differences in what they mean? And, and especially, why does this matter here at church? Right? What, what, what's the point of talking about resolutions and revolutions and how they kind of add up? Well, to put it simply, as Christians, we've made a decision to follow Jesus. But choosing to follow Jesus means that it has to lead to a daily action with following Jesus. We can't just sit here in a seat and say, yeah, I follow Jesus, I'm a follower of him, and then do nothing with that. The mere sentence saying, I am a follower of Jesus, implies that I am taking steps to walk the way he walked, to do the things that he did, to be what he has called me to be. But if I just stay over there with my decision, and it was really cool on Facebook, and I wrote it down, and I told everybody about it, but I never did anything, 
then that resolution is dead. Doesn't change anything. Doesn't change you. Doesn't change the people around you. Choosing every day to follow in his footsteps is what leads to a revolution in your life and the lives of people around you. And today, I want to look at a story uh, in the book of Acts. It's about a guy named Saul, who later on his name gets changed to Paul. By the way, I'm going to get this confused and mix up back and forth. If I say Saul or Paul, it's the same guy. We're just not going to talk about the story where his name gets changed. So those guys are the same guys. I'm just going to, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to mess up that. Uh, But if you have your Bible, uh, you can open up in Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can go onto the App Store, in the Google App Store, iOS Store, whatever it is, type in Bible. U version is probably the first one that comes up, but I don't care which one you use. You can grab whichever one you want. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start right at the beginning. It's Acts 9. Uh, we'll start in verse 1. So it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that is Christianity, people who are following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, pause right here real quick. At this point, Saul has this moment where he has to make a decision. He has to resolve to either do what was said, what was commanded of him by Jesus, or to not. Believe it or not, he did have a choice. Now, he could have said, ain't no way. No, I'm good, man. This, this sounds like a lot of work, and that was real scary, and I was uncomfortable, and I don't want to continue to be uncomfortable. And so I'm going to, uh, it, it sucks that I'm blind. I'm going to live with that. There's lots of people around me, clearly, that are going to help me out. I'm going to stay blind. Totally cool. And uh, you can find somebody else to do this. Sounds way too uncomfortable for me. Now, he could have done that. There would have been consequences, right? Every choice that we make, there are consequences, good consequences, bad consequences. I don't know what they are because in this moment, he didn't do that. He chose to get up and go into the city just like Jesus asked him to. We're gonna get back to Saul in just a second, but for those of you that have met Jesus and said, yes, I wanna follow you. I wanna do what it is you'd have me do. I wanna live the life you've called me to live, go back to that moment. When was that moment for you? What did it look like? And what was the direction that your life was heading in when you met Jesus? Because if you missed it, he was on his way to kill Christians. This is basically what his job was at, this, was at that point, was to kill people who talked about Jesus who followed Jesus, and who acted out that life. That's what he was doing. In the middle of that journey, he met Jesus on his way to kill people who followed Jesus. And so for you, 
I want to let you know that that's why we exist as a church. Our name is Journey, but we exist so that people will meet Jesus and journey with him. The path that you're on, if you haven't met Jesus yet, is probably not the best path for you. We know that Jesus has something better in store for your life. I don't know what that looks like, but we exist so that people will meet Jesus and journey with him. Just like Paul here. Paul was on his way to kill Christians, and Jesus flipped the script and said, I got something better for you. If you haven't met Jesus, Paul wasn't expecting to meet Jesus then either. And so my question today is maybe, is today the day? Is Jesus calling you right now? I believe that Jesus is always calling those of us to a better life, to something more. Even those of us who have said yes to following him, he's got something else in store for you. And so if you haven't said yes to Jesus, maybe, just maybe, today's the day. Today's your moment to say, okay, I don't really know what this means, but I want to find out more about that. And if that is you, the app that Pastor James mentioned earlier, in there there's a connect form, and on that form there's an area where you can select that you'd like to learn more about baptism. You can fill that out. We'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to have that conversation with you. If you don't want to go through that process, you can meet somebody in the lobby, and they'll help you with that process. But we would love to have that conversation started with you because I believe that that is today. Today's your day. Today's your moment on your journey for you to meet Jesus and say, hey, I got a, I got a better journey for you. But we'll, we'll, get back to, we'll get back to Saul slash Paul. So Acts chapter nine, uh, picking up in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, in this moment, Ananias is also faced with a choice. He has to make a decision, and he has to follow it up with action. And you can see the back and forth here with Ananias and God, like, hey, I'm not really sure about this. Um, I know you're God, because uh, you're talking to me in this weird way, and I'm sure you know this already, but this guy kills people like me. So uh, I hear what you're saying, but I got to throw you a big oof with a capital O on that. Uh, I don't want to do that. This is uh, uncomfortable. This is scary. But I love what God says at the end. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. Paul was on his way to kill Christians. And God chose him to start a revolution. He was on his way to murder the very people that he would then create because he's going to go around now and tell people about Jesus. This is how God works. He uses some of the most unqualified people to do his work. And so if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, this all sounds great. I'm pretty stuck, though, where I'm at. 
I don't think God can use somebody like me. You don't know, Dave, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know my story. You don't know where I'm at right now. I, I don't think that God can use somebody like me because I have A, B, and C in my life. And I would question you and say, that, that sounds rough. We all have stuff going on. Hey, same here, I'm not perfect either. But this guy was killing Christians. I'd be willing to bet nobody in here is on their way after church to go kill Christians. Don't tell me if you are. Um, tell somebody. But I'd be willing to bet that that's not you. But God still chose him to start a revolution. So if he can use him, he can use you. We'll keep going with Paul's story at the end. Uh, night, uh, Acts 9, 17 through 19. Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus... Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't even write this down. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. Do you see what he calls Saul immediately? He knows that God has something in store for this guy. And immediately, even after the back and forth and says, this guy's a murderer, he kills people like me. The first thing he says to him is he calls him brother. And I want you to know, if that's you, we welcome you with open arms. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, the name of this series that we keep saying over and over again is Resolutions and Revolutions. Resolutions, they deal with the choice, the firm decision to do or not do something, and then the revolution is a result of the actions that take place after that decision. And here, Saul had a tremendous decision to make. Do I go through with what God has called me to do? Do I move forward in that, or do I stay stagnant where I am, or do I completely disregard it and go back into those cities to try and kill more Christians? What do I do with this decision? And it's going to be a hard decision for him because he was so well known. We know that Ananias knew who he was, and so if Ananias knew who he was, then it's very possible, in fact, we see this later on in scriptures, that he goes to places and they're going to say, hold on a second, this is somebody who kills people who follow Jesus, and now he's telling people to follow Jesus? Is this a trick? Because I don't want to sign up for something like that, to say, yes, I'll follow Jesus, and then he's like, ha, gotcha, you're dead. That's not what I'm signing up for. He knew he was going to interact with this stuff, but still he made a decision to move forward and follow through. And how do we know that? Because over and over again, we see the work that he did throughout scriptures. Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. This is how Ephesians starts. It's a letter to the church in Ephesus, and Paul is the one who wrote it. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Again, Paul is writing this. Colossians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Again, another letter that Paul is writing. 1 Corinthians 1.1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, and on and on 
and on. Paul made a decision to follow Jesus. And as a result, the majority of the New Testament that we have was written by this very guy who was killing Christians. Paul met Jesus on the way to kill Christians. Jesus said, no, I have something better for you in store. And so what he did was ignite a revolution, a revolution which, by the way, is most likely the reason that you and I are in this room today. One of the very possible reasons that we even have this church today is because this guy said yes to following Jesus, but didn't just say, yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus. He actually started to make those steps and do the things that he was called to do, which, by the way, led him to being in prison, which, by the way, led him to being killed, but he started a revolution because he said, yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm gonna do what you said I would do. He said yes to Jesus and followed it up with actions, and here we are today, 2,000 years later. Talk about a revolution, yeah? And I mentioned earlier, for those of you that have said yes to following Jesus, to go back and think about that moment, and I want you to still think about that moment for a second. What was going on in your life? Where were you at? Where were you sitting? Were you standing? Were you in church? Were you at a conference? Were you in a coffee shop with somebody? What did you feel inside? What did you feel outside? Was it cold? Was it hot? Who did you tell? And the biggest question is that if you made that decision, if you met Jesus somewhere and you said, okay, I'm gonna follow you. I know you have something better for me and I'm gonna follow you. If you made that decision, then the biggest question is what did you do as a result of that decision? How did your life look prior to that decision? And now, does it look any different than it did before you made that decision? What did you do as a result of this call that God had placed on your life? Because deciding what you'll believe about Jesus is the most important decision you'll ever make. And if you decide to follow Jesus, it should, it should revolutionize every aspect of your life in ways that people can see and are tangible. And by the way, just like with Saul slash Paul, there may be people that don't like it and don't understand it. Wait, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that you're going to go to church every single Sunday? Sunday's for football. Why would you do that? Wait a second. You're going to, hold on. You're telling me that you're going to give 10% of your income back to the church? Don't you already get taxed like 15 to 20%? Why would you give another 10% away? That's like 30%. You're just going to give that away? Taxes, I get. You can't do anything about that unless you want to go to jail. But this, you have to, you make a choice. Hold on a second. You're telling me that you're going to go watch other people's kids for free? You're going to do that for free willingly? Hold on a second. You play an instrument and you're not going to get paid for that? You, you can sing and you're not going to charge an artist fee, whatever? I don't know. Who does that? Why would you do that? Who, are you insane? Like what kind of person does that? Well, the answer is that Christians, Christians do that. Christians should be some of the most lovable, hireable, giving, generous, kind, most servingest, I don't even know if that's a word, people on the planet. 
When we decide to follow Jesus, it should revolutionize every single part of who we are, which will also have an effect on other people. They may not see it right away. They may not get it. They may not understand it. And some people, you may not have a relationship with them anymore, but some people may see it and say, wait a second, there's something different about that person. I don't really fully understand it, but I want to know more. And their lives can be changed, right? Wide reaching. That's what a revolution is. It's not just about us and revolutionizing our own self, but it's about a revolution in our entire community. And so what that means for you is maybe today there's some things that you've been doing uh, that you need to stop. And I'm not going to list out what those things are. You know what those things are. But there's something that you're doing right now that you say, you know what, I say I follow Jesus and this doesn't line up with that. And so maybe today you stop doing that. Or maybe you start doing some things, right? Maybe you haven't been giving. And you don't get it, and it's difficult, and it's weird, and it doesn't really make sense. Like, I would give 10% of my income away. I, I don't fully understand that, and I totally get that. I've been there. I know where you're sitting. But you say, I follow Jesus, and what I see in Scripture is that he's got a better plan for me and my life, and that means my finances. And so I'm going to give 10% and do that instead of worrying about, did I get the newest phone this year? Maybe for you, that means you start serving somewhere, whatever area it is. Maybe you say, you know what, God's called me to something more, but I got to do more than just show up on a Sunday. I have to actually be a part of this community and give back. And so I'm going to do something to benefit this community more than just coming in and sitting in a chair. And by the way, if you have met Jesus, you get the opportunity to come and serve on a Sunday. And by the way, we're talking bare minimum two Sundays, but you get the opportunity to come and serve and be a part of something where if you've met Jesus, you now create an environment where somebody else who hasn't met Jesus has an opportunity to meet Jesus. And if you're experiencing a revolution in your life because you met Jesus, you know that someone else can experience a revolution in their life when they meet Jesus. And so you say, absolutely, I'll get up early on a Sunday. I don't care, three, four, whatever time it is, I'll be there early because I know that it's not about me, it's about people meeting Jesus and journeying with him. So of course I'll be there early on a Sunday. That's easy, that's not hard at all, that's not difficult. Beating cancer is difficult. Getting up early on a Sunday is not hard. Let's be real. Maybe for you it means that you have to engage in actual real community and what that means is you have to get off the internet. You have to get off Facebook. I get it, it's cool and whatever, but real community doesn't happen online. And when we watch a service online, that's neat, but you don't get to actually engage with those people. And so instead of being online, you get into a group. Why? Because we have to be able to live out what Jesus calls us to do. We see it in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, it says this, 19 through 20. Uh, if you've been in church at all, you've probably heard this a billion times. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Which means we can't just sit at home and engage in a false community and look online where likes are a commodity, but we actually have to sit in a room with people, across from people, face to face, talk with them, have a relationship with them, experience real, actual emotions, not emoticons, but emotions with these people to build relationships and potentially plant the seed for some of them to have this experience with Jesus. 
You may be the very answer to someone's prayer in one of those groups, but they'll never know it if you never go. Somebody in that group may be the very answer to your prayer, but you'll never know it because you never went. And if you have the chance to go to a group, you have the chance to plant a seed with somebody that may not know who Jesus is the next day. They may not meet Jesus the next year. They may not meet him the next decade. But someday someone can look back and say, hey, that time I was in that group with Greg, Greg said this one thing and I never forgot it. And it's because of what he said that I'm here today. And I fought it for a long, long time, but now I'm here. And thank God, Greg showed up at that group. But if you never go, none of that happens. There's no revolution for you, and there's no revolution that starts in someone else's life. And I don't know what God has for you. I don't know what he's called you specifically to. But I'd be willing to bet he's called you to more. A resolution that doesn't lead to a massive change in your life when it comes to following Jesus, is that a resolution at all? A resolution that doesn't lead to you saying, okay, look, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And and here's what that means. I don't always understand that, but I'm gonna do my best and strive to do what he says. I'm gonna follow your way even when it's hard. I'm gonna follow your way even when I don't fully understand it. I'm gonna follow your way because I know that your way is better than my way. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to aim for it. Even when it's hard, I'm going to follow through on my resolution. So the question that I have for you today that I really, really want you to wrestle with is what needs to change? What needs to happen in your life that will lead to a revolution as a result of the decision you have made to follow Jesus? I'm not talking about lifting weights anymore. I'm not talking about eating healthy, saving money. All that stuff is good. That's great. You want to save money? Go for it. You want to lift weights? I'd encourage it. It's fun. You want to eat healthy? You should. Take care of your body. You only get one. But when it comes to following Jesus, man, your life has to look different. It has to look different. It has to look different. And here's why. The crux of this is that we believe if you are a Christian, if you're someone who says, I follow Jesus, then what you actually believe is there was a man who was born from a virgin, lived a perfect life without sin, was murdered on a cross, and took the entire sin of the world, then, now, future, on himself, and three days later, rose again from the dead. You actually believe that. Does your life reflect that? Because if somebody rose from the grave three days later on their own without help, I want to follow that guy. I want to follow that guy. But to follow him, I actually have to do some things. And you know, we, we get the opportunity every single week to celebrate this. We get to celebrate that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again. And we do this in communion. Uh, when you came in on your seats, there's a little cup and it's a little, two little peel back things and one of them has a cracker on it and the rest is juice and the cracker represents the the body of Jesus that was beaten and broken for you and I and the juice represents the blood that was spilt for you and I 
And this is a moment to remember that sacrifice that was made and that when Jesus was on the cross, every single person that ever would be in existence came across his mind and said, I'm doing this for you. So if you're sitting here today, he did that for you. If you're not here today, he did that for you. Every single person, Jesus died for you so that you could have a better life, a life following in Jesus' footsteps, a life here and now that is great, a life in heaven with him and God that is great. But he did that so that your life would be changed, not that it would be the same in the status quo, but so that you would have a new journey. And that's why we're here. We want people to meet Jesus and journey with them. And we can't do this alone. We're not gonna set you up for failure. We're not gonna say, great, you're baptized. Now go do something else and leave us out of it. We're here, we're a team, we're a family, we're a community. We're walking in this journey together. Your journey might look a little bit different than mine, could look a lot different than mine. But the destination is the same. The destination is Jesus. And that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we need a revolution. God, thank you so much for who you are, for what you do. Thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you so much that you give us places like this where we can come in contact with you, where people who have never met you before could say, this is a place where I met Jesus and my life was changed as a result. God, I pray that somebody in here today, at least one person would say, you know, this is what it's about and I need to make some changes. There's some things I'm doing or not doing and and it's not leading to where I wanna be. I wanna be more. I wanna be what you've called me to be. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage, give them the strength to say, I'm going to follow you. It's hard, it might be scary, might not understand it all the way, and I might be lost even when I'm starting. But there's a community here of people that will lift them up and help them along that way. God, I pray for courage, and I pray for a revolution. It's your Sunday, we pray. Amen.